Good morning. Um, you know, back in the 90s, um, uh, uh, a lot of people were biased in saying who was the greatest basketball player of Michael Jordan. And um, there would always be a commercial that says, I want to be like Mike. And uh, if you ever looked at my shoes that I just, my wife had me buy, <coughs> I want to be like Mike. <laughs> at any rate, uh, thank you for coming. Um, scripture today uh, that I want to start off is, For I decided to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We have to keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen? As we live in 2021, as you know, we live in the divided states of America. If we look throughout all aspects of our life, it's divided from left to right. If you look at the political realm, you can see those that believe in the big lie and those that believe in the big steal. If you look at the education, you can see those that support Project 1619 and also those uh, that support the U.S. Constitution. If you look at values, you see uh, critical race theory being promoted as opposed to Judeo-Christian values. In the medical field, you can even look at the vaccine passports or those that are uh, vaccine hesitants. I'm not here to waste your time or my time on finding out which way to sway left or right. I'm not here to promote divide. I'm here to provoke, promote what unites us. And that leads us to our message today. Christ is the glue for unity. That is our message. Christ is the glue for unity. How? As you go through, bless you, as you go through uh, John's gospel, you could read in John chapter 3, a lot of people know uh, the saving grace of, of, of Scripture, John 3.16, but a lot of times we fail to read behind that. We were once in darkness, and now we are in light. We used to love darkness. Christ is the unity. Paul also tells us that we were also um, dead, spiritually dead, but now we are alive. Um, understand, those that are on Zoom land or those that are here as believers, sometimes we think, oh, I've already heard the gospel. Christians don't just need to hear the good news as much as others. Sometimes we need to hear it more. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, uh, for sending your Son, for creating a reconciliation that we could have with you. That is the true unity that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray, Father God, as we live in a, 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 in a world that leans on their own understanding or our own uh, performance, God, that we leave you out. And that's what creates chaos. That, that's, that's what creates division. So I just pray, Father God, that you could uh, allow me to be your lips, uh, to encourage us to remember what unites us. And that's Jesus Christ. In his name. Amen. Um, if you had to as- assemble a team uh, that would unite this divided nation, 
Uh, what type of uh, person would you select? What type of character would they have? Would you select someone that, um, that was uneducated or perhaps unstable? Someone that maybe is a skeptic? Um, someone that's a doubter? Someone that maybe is quiet? Uh, maybe someone that's a political zealot? Um, well, guess what? Jesus did. You know the twelfth. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 10. As we look at the, these 12 disciples, and you, what you'll notice, you won't see an immediate change. By far, they were not no superheroes or anything like that. Far from. But I want you, as we read about uh, some of these characters, on how you could relate to it. It's not too far gone on your relation. Matthew chapter 10 says this, verse 1, And Jesus called to him his twelve disciples, which means learner, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles, which are called sent out ones, are these. The first is Simon. Simon means hearer. Obviously, being a fisherman, uneducated, as you read through the Gospels, he was known as being shifty, unstable. Um, perhaps you could relate to him because he may have, he's very outspoken too. You know, he would say things that, um, you know, uh, would regret later. But what's amazing is that there's a Jesus effect, a Jesus Christ effect in ministering to him. That his name was turned, as we can see in scriptures, to Peter or Petros, rock or stone. And he grew into his name. And if you read uh, throughout the synopsis of Gospels, and every time they list the uh, they listed uh, the apostles, Peter's always first. He was the leader amongst leaders. The second one is his little brother Andrew. Andrew means manly. Uh, he too also was a fisherman, uh, but perhaps he was unappreciated and, and quiet perhaps being overshadowed by his older brother. Um, and maybe you could relate to someone like that. I know I have an older brother. I could relate to Andrew. What about James uh, and also John? They too were also fishermen and brothers, um, the sons of Zebedee. In other scriptures, it tells them that they're the sons of thunder. Why is because when they went to an un- unrepenting city, what did they say? It says, they were telling Jesus, shall we call fire from heaven? Oh, man, these guys are fired up. You know, these guys were volatile. These guys had a temper. But if you remember which apostle was named beloved, which was the apostle that was named for love, that was John. It was the Jesus effect. And then you look at Philip. Philip was skeptical. He was cynical. Um, and he would actually hear about Jesus, and he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know? So maybe you're a skeptic. Bartholomew is the sixth one. Um, If you notice, his name is always mentioned with the word and next to it. Bartholomew and. He always had to partner up with somebody. Perhaps he was fearful to do things independently. Perhaps. Maybe you're fearful. You could relate to that. What about Matthew? Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, he worked with the Romans, of course, and he was considered a rip-off artist. Uh, he was a thief. <laughs> he was one of the twelve. Uh, Thomas, a lot of people know him as the doubter. 
You know, he was slow to believe, uh, very pessimistic, yet um, he had a love for the master. He said in John chapter 11, says, let us also go that we may die with him. So perhaps you're a doubter. And then two names, James, son of Al- uh, Alpheus, as well as Thaddeus, they're unknown. They're kind of quiet. Maybe that's you. Simon, number 11, is Simon the Zealot. He was a patriot. And uh, he wanted to overthrow the uh, Roman government. This guy was like a, a zeal politically. Um, he was politically charged, if, if you can imagine that. And then finally, rounding it up to 12, is Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, of course. So as we look at these 12, it's really easy to highlight um, the, the differences, isn't it? The world would highlight the differences. But God, or Jesus Christ, looked at the diversity, the unity within that. In a normal context, if you gather these 12 people around, if you think about it, Matthew working for uh, the Romans as a tax collector ripping off Jews, also with Simon the Zealot, man, you get those two in a room, someone's going to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They would kill each other. So just amongst uh, uh, us as well, whether it's in Zoom World or here, we also have a lot of differences, don't we? We do. And sometimes we focus on, on our differences. We should do what Christ says, and we should actually focus on what unites us, and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, I know there are some of you, there are a lot of you that have come from different churches and different upbringings, and God wants to use some of the experiences that you have had in this church. You're not here as sheep. You're here as soldiers, guys. Uh, as Mike preached last time, uh, last week, he talked about being a consumer or a creator. Uh, you're not here to be a consumer. You're not here to be a, li- a liability. Um, you need to put skin in the game. Um, a great example um, is is like like David Yee. Um, you know, from his previous church experience, I believe he was an elder uh, for finances, and he has a lot of natural um, leadership skills, and his mentality is that it's either my way or no other way. Right, Dave? Love you, bro. <laughs> but this guy, uh, he's a self-starter. Uh, he takes initiative. I don't have to tell him anything. He just does it. He's here at 830, um, helping up some of the guys, uh, and, and Gal, thanks, Jen, for helping out this morning, uh, for, for setting up. He helps out and tears down. Um, and it's sort of like getting the tabernacle ready uh, for us. So his, his role is very, very important. And then as he evolves through this church, uh, not only that, he uh, also is like the, the lunch czar, you know, because <laughs> he takes guys out. And he just looks for whatever needs. I mean, he's working on, on checking people's temperatures on the back. It's awesome. Um, he could give me a 20 later, David. Appreciate it. <laughs> so some of the benefits that we ought to look at when Christ is uh, truly the glue for our unity. There's a, there's a, there's a handful. I'll just rapid fire through this. And a lot of you guys know these certain scriptures. I just want to remind you. One, of course, is fellowship. Um, Hebrews 10 tells us that not to neglect the meeting uh, together. The verse prior to that, why is it for? Is for to stir up love. Um, we don't just have friendships just to have friendships. We have a friendship with a purpose. Amen? a purpose of, of God's mission here on this earth. We have to realize that. 
And in Psalms 133, Dave tells us this. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. In unity. There's, there's, ple- there's pleasure in that. There's good when we hang out and we get along. And then I remember Kevin prayed this on pre-prayer uh, last week, uh, that our love for each other is a witness. John tells us, John 13, Jesus tells us in John 13, says, All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So despite our differences, as we must be willing to invest in each other's lives, um, to build up that love, not only as a witness to others, but also to build us up. In a practical sense, I guess you could say, um, for us personally, um, Bob does uh, piano lessons for uh, for my son every other week. In fact, he's coming today at 3 o'clock or something like that. Um, Kiani came over and gave my wife a massage. Um, <clears throat> uh, Sanji gives me and uh, uh, David a haircut every, uh, you know, two months, whatever. Uh, David E. did our refinances uh, for our house. In fact, um, ever since Garen started working, I noticed my wife gave me this REI credit card. He has half my budget. Kill me, Garen. Kill me. <laughs> so a lot of times we start to think, oh, Norm, let's just all hold hands and kumbaya, all smelling roses. It's not always like that, right? There's also some challenges. If Christ is not the glue, people have a tendency to, to get hurt or to hurt each other. Sometimes people can actually get a, get in the way of uh, Christ uniting us. Um, and I know sometimes I, I talk to people and uh, I kind of assume that they're believers. I kind of go, so how did you become to know the Lord? And sometimes like, I don't know the Lord. I'm like, okay. And they usually tell me, well, I'm not a Christian because of other Christians. You heard of that before? Or you ever heard of, uh, um, I've, I've tried Jesus before. I've tried that Christianity before and it's just not for me. Jesus is not an appetizer to try. He is Lord. He is Lord to totally consume your life. They just didn't get it. And I'll share with you a story that I had with one of my uh, coworkers. Um, she's from Germany. And um, as, as she was growing up, she, she was part of a youth group. She loved the Lord. She'd go to church every week. She loved Christ. And, um, but she had a really bad experience. Uh, being in her younger years, of course, as she was in the cities of uh, of uh, Germany, there was a man that actually approached her, flirted with her, and aggressively tried to put her in a car, if you know what I'm saying. Fortunately, she was able to fight past that and was able to escape, thank God. Weeks, A couple of weeks later, she went back to church, totally distraught, and guess what? She sees that guy at the church as a leader. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing that up is that, as you know, we mess up. And sometimes we focus on each other's flaws. And we have a tendency to, to, to not allow Christ being uh, the, the, the glue. My recent talks that I've had with her is, she would even say, I would rather uh, follow the Mormon religion because those guys are good people, you know, in her eyes, quote-unquote good. Um, people sometimes get away in Jesus being the glue. 
Let's go back to our, our original scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I wanted to leave you with three reflections as well as some action points. Since Jesus is the glue and we must be willing to invest in each other, you have to be prepared to do three things. Number one is you have to be mindful. Be mindful. John Maxwell, an author, has said, and we've heard it coined up here a few times, that hurt people hurt people. What a concept. It's true, isn't it? Hurt people uh, hurt people. Sometimes we hurt each other uh, perhaps just because of different understandings or uh, or even personality differences. Look what Peter says in First Peter chapter two. He says, "You yourselves are like living, are like living stones, and are being built up as a spiritual house." When something is living, it's moving, isn't it? We are living stones, creating friction amongst each other naturally because we're all sinners, and sometimes we rub each other the wrong way in that sense. And I'll give you an example, um, and I, I know my. Uh, my wife isn't going to be pleased of me saying this, but I don't want to embarrass her. But <clears throat> I have the mic. <laughs> so um, my wife has been, as you know, she's very outspoken in a good way. And uh, she is was trying to minister to a family member that has chosen the LGBTQ lifestyle. She loved on uh, this couple, these two gals, uh, had meals together uh, with them. Uh, had talks, had deep talks, had fun times together, went to the beach, yet she did not compromise her faith in Christ. In fact, uh, she would make statements like this, hey, if, if you are around my son, if you could please not hold hands or kiss each other. She's just being a mama's bear. In fact, uh, a deeper conversation, she said, even if you were to get married, I wouldn't um, be part of that. A wedding, because if I do, then I'm supporting and and, and I'm, I'm supporting your decision on that. So they thought nothing of it. They just nodded their heads face to face. And guess what? Social media comes around. And uh, my wife was getting this past week, uh, past two weeks, she was getting um, attacked socially. You know, personal messages of hate of her being homophobic and how she would suppress her love for her partner. Um, because it allow, didn't allow them to exercise their quote-unquote love or lust when they were together. And unfortunately, this uh, relationship is still strained to this day. And uh, there's just a misunderstanding of one's motives. You know, hurt people hurt people. Uh, was my wife hurt? Absolutely. Hurt to the core because she loves these two gals. Uh, but she also understands that love covers a multitude of sin. Within this past week, when her partner actually has a little sister that had a baby out of wedlock. And guess who was there? My wife was there in supporting her. Love covers the multitude of sin. What an example. So the first point is to be mindful. Be mindful who our, en- who our real enemy is, right? Um, <clears throat> Ephesians tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities that are behind it. As you remember, when um, Peter was talking with Jesus, 
And he asks, who do you say that I am? He says, you're the Christ. And the, Jesus says, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal to you as my father. You know, I'm sure that Peter's like, sweet. And uh, seven verses later, guess what he says? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, now was, was Peter, was he actually the enemy? No. It was the, the forces of evil that was behind it. And that's the same thing that we need to uh, understand, that we don't wrestle against uh, that flesh and that blood. Point number two is you need to be relatable. Be relatable. When you come to our house, the first thing that you'll see is our welcome mat. It says, come as you are. We like to live that out. Um, in fact, Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 9, it says, Become all things to all people. He says that. And in fact, he exercised that in Acts tr- chapter 21. Um, Paul went through the process of, of Jewish uh, purifications for the reason of bridging a gap so he can minister to the Jews. He didn't have to go through that, but he did that so that he could minister to the Jews. And um, if you look at some of the military chaplains, uh, one of the ministries that they have, uh, something that's coined quite a bit, is the ministry of being there, of, of being present. And if you remember the story of Job and his three friends and just the trial and the error that he was going through, uh, devastating, these three guys would sit there for seven days and didn't say a word. They didn't say anything. In fact, when they started saying things, it kind of discouraged them, you know. Um, and that's something that we all could do. We could just be there um, when someone's going through some trials. Um, you have to be relatable. You have to be relatable. For us personally, we um, we have a friend of ours uh, that's a single mom that lives in Arizona. Um, she came down uh, because her dad was dying. And just for being, being there for the last few days. Well, after he passed, uh, she went back home and his, her mom was there by herself in this home. Um, and then, um, God put in our hearts just to go over there. We have to eat, right? <laughs> so might as well eat together with her. And, and we didn't know because it was fresh. You know, the, 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 the passing just happened maybe a week, but we wanted to at least, uh, take the initiative to go over there. And we were there. We didn't say much. We didn't say anything. Um, but we just ate. And uh, she gave us a thank you letter and saying, you know what? The, the, um, I go, you know, I asked her, Hey, how was the Thai food? And she goes, you know what? Uh, the, the meal was secondary. It was just your friendship and uh, just being there that, that spoke volumes. So we made a commitment to go there once a month, uh, to be able to just be there. You need to be relatable in that sense. And then my final point, of course, is um, to be one. To be one. Um, sometimes when there's there's a there's a there's a camaraderie that is built uh, when you do things together, especially if um, if we're co-laboring in, in Christ. I don't know about you. Um, I prefer team sports than I do individual sports. Yeah, I ran track and field. Um, yeah, I, I wrestled, uh, but I kind of like football or basketball, uh, because we could, um, 
celebrate in the wins and also kind of the agony of defeat, which happened a lot. So, but we were together, right? And there's just that, that camaraderie, that ups and downs that, that you develop. And it reminds me, as, uh, as you can imagine with, with Pastor Chris being down, and this, this story relates so perfectly. A lot of you know the story. In Exodus 17, it talks about the Amaleks attacking Israel. And this is in the moment where, um, Israel was complaining about having, uh, not having enough water. So they're, they're at a state of, disarray anyways and that's when the enemy attacks when you're in a disarray right so moses uh went up on a hill he, he instructed joshua to go down into the hill and fight the amaleks and doing that um, him and Ur and um, aaron stood side by side and uh praying over uh, the situation and moses arms were lifted up and as you know the story you could see joshua was starting to overcome and then as Moses' arms started to come and sink down, uh, the Amalek started to overcome. And that's where uh, Aaron and, and Ur like, had him sit down on a stone and pushed up his arms, and was uh, Joshua was able to be, become successful in that sense. So you start to see <laughs> the parallel, the, the parallel uh, with how, how that works with church. If you look at the past six weeks, um, Mike has given three messages. Garen has given two messages. Just to help free up Chris, this is even before, before, um, what we found out about his health, because he was pushing through, uh, on, on trying to get this book out. I mean, he's poured his life into this, as was shared last time, how he sacrificed a lot of time, his family time, for this. And he's just exhausted. And you guys know, Pastor Chris, he's like, He's a ministry endurer, man. You know, we, there's no way that we could keep up with this cat. You know, that's why we need more people to, like, keep up with him. Although, Garen's pretty close to second, but I'm telling you. <laughs> um, but I'm still remembering how much debt I owe to REI. So, anyways. <laughs> but here's the thing is that um, I recall Pastor Chris was saying over the past two years, he's never worked so hard in his entire life. And to be able to come alongside uh, guys um, um, like Garen, who gets here at 7-ish in the morning, three hours before service, stays late, works, the, works behind the doors, and is the last person to leave. And his work doesn't stop just on Sunday. As you know, he's on it 24-7. And also to hear Mike uh, uh, coming up, and also with his crazy work schedule, to be able to put together uh, messages back to back, this isn't easy. I mean, sometimes you got to put twenty to thirty hours a week just to put a, a message together on a fly. So these guys are holding up um, Pastor Chris's arms. That is unity, right there. That is one. That is one unit uh, on that. I kind of want to end with a story um, out of this book called Last Stands, and. Um, have anybody heard about uh, Masada, the sage of Masada? Anybody heard about that, Hans? Fortunately, in uh, 2007, we were my wife and I were blessed to be able to go to uh, Israel. And one of my favorite spots was Masada. Masada, I would say. 
And what Masada is, basically, it's a desert plateau, a fortress that's built, uh, next to, um, uh, in Israel, uh, next to the, the Dead Sea near En Gedi. It's about two kilometers up. Um, the story behind it is King Herod built a palace up there, uh, almost like a castle. He has cisterns and you can actually live there. I mean, there's grassy areas. I mean, it was, it was like, it was like a hotel. It was like paradise, so to speak. And uh, when he passed away, uh, there was a great revolt in 66 AD where some of the Jewish rebels took over uh, this palace and started to house there. And during the Great Revolt, uh, the, it began in Caesarea, moved throughout Jerusalem, and then uh, ending in Masada. There was about 960 men, women, and children um, up in Masada. Now, if you're familiar with it, on the east side, there uh, the reason why it's so unique, on the east side, it actually had what they call a snake path. There was like a zig and a zag, single file steps to get to the doors of Masada. Now, it's not just your regular steps that like you could step up and down. I mean, some of them are like four feet, and I mean, you're almost, it's, it's a climb. But you could only be single person. It, it, it took me an hour uh, to, to get up there. Um, so it was perfect for as far as defense is concerned. So if anybody comes off, they get picked off really quick. Well, these 8,000 Romans that surrounded, they were trying to find ways on how they could squash the final rebelling Jews. They would even shoot up uh, firing arrows up into uh, Masada, and then the wind just kind of took it out and blew it out, and they kind of looked at that as a divine protection. So after nine months, they finally developed a plan in which they uh, got uh, local trees and uh, debris and developed on the west side a long slope so they could build up almost like a battering ram or a wrecking ball, so to speak. Nine months. And as they did that, um, the, the people in, in uh, Masada, the, the, the Jews were starting to realize that my, our days are numbers. Let me kind of show you how it ends. He says, This was the end, and as the leader of the Jewish force, Eliezer ben Ayar, uh, knew it. He urged the Jews to die by their own hands rather than fall into the clutches of the Romans, who could only bring torture, slave, and death. And as you know, Romans were masters of that. And he says, I think it actually a favor from God that we have it in our power to die honorably as free men. Unlike others who have met an unexpected defeat, we face a certain capture tomorrow, but we still have the free choice of noble death for ourselves and our loved ones. The enemy, for all their hopes of taking us alive, can no, uh, no more prevent this than we now defeat them in battle. We have lost all perspective of survival. That is manifest by the hand of God. So it was time to die. First, each man had to kill his wife and his children. Then he had piled their possessions up and set it ablaze. They didn't set ablaze the food because they didn't want to send the message that they died by, self, by, by starvation. So they chose ten of their numbers by lot to kill the survivors. Finally, they chose one of the ten to kill the other nine. Satisfied that all were dead, he set ablaze, and then 
with all this force of his hand, drove his sword right through his body and fell dead alongside his family. When the Romans entered the fort, uh, they found no resistance, just hundreds and hundreds of dead bodies. There was none of the usual sense of triumph over the enemy. Instead, they could fe- they could only feel a wondering admiration for the nobili- nobility of their collective decision. Wow. Talk about um, unity. Ben Franklin says this. He said, we must all hang together or assuredly we should all hang separately, whether it's metaphorically or symbolically. Remember, Christ is the glue for unity. Be mindful. Be relatable. Be one. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for just a reminder that we have to be one in you, God. And I look at some of the church disciplines of um, baptism, where we become one with you through death and through our new life. We look at even communion, where we uh, consume bread and it becomes one. We become one with you, as well as our brothers and sisters. It is a reminder that, God, you have brought each one of us here, not by an accident, but for a purpose. Help us, Father God, to um, realize that. That, yes, a lot of us may not be qualified or we have some shortcomings, but, Father, you've also developed this diversity in each one of us for your kingdom. So we just pray, Father God, that we are reminded of keeping the main thing the main thing, and that's you, and that we could be one in you. In Jesus' name, amen.